God, we thank you that you are a God that we can trust in, that is faithful to us. No matter what highs or lows we are facing, no matter what we're going through, you are there. We're thankful that you hold our past, our present, our future in your hands. We're thankful that you hold all things together. And that even when we can't see things moving uh, in the direction that, that we want, we know that you are working all things toward our good. Thank you for that, God. Thank you that uh, you're a God who strengthens us, that holds us, and that carries us when we need your strength. I pray that you would speak to us this morning, God, as we, as we focus our spirits and our hearts and our minds on you. God, uh, reveal yourself and, um, and reveal your will to us, that we would be people of the word, that we would be people following Jesus, and that you would transform us and transform those around us through Jesus in our lives. Uh, so we give you this time, God, and pray that you would speak. All glory, honor, and praise to you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Thanks, worship team. You guys sound awesome this morning. Uh, <clears throat> so good morning. My name is Brent Watson. Uh, I'm the one that has the N in his name. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm glad you're here this morning. It just occurred to me uh, as we we're sitting in worship that one thing we didn't announce is that next Sunday is the end of daylight saving time. So... Don't forget to set your clocks back an hour or you'll show up an hour early for church, which is not a bad thing. Uh, if you do show up early, we're happy to find things for you to do and put you to work. Uh, but you also might enjoy the extra hour of sleep. So there we go. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue our series through uh, the book of Philippians. And we're looking at what it, uh, how it is that we can experience more joy in our lives. Uh, in the past weeks, we've looked at how uh, participating in the work of sharing the good news of Jesus... Uh, helping others grow in their faith, and living humbly in our relationships with one another are things that can bring joy into our life. Uh, They're options that have a better chance of coming through for us than some of the things that we normally tend to turn to, like material possessions or entertainment or what have you. So uh, this morning, we're going to look at a passage from Paul's letter to the Philippians where he presents two men who are worthy of honor because of their character, the kind of people that they are. Uh, They're the kind of people that have the potential to increase our joy just by being around them. And so I'm going to read through the passage here, and then we're going to look at what is it that made these two guys special, and what can we uh, do with that in our own lives. So we're in Philippians chapter 2. If you have a Bible or if you look on your phone, uh, we're in chapter 2, verses 19 to 30. And I'll read the whole thing here, and then we'll go through and kind of pick it apart. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proven himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for you and is distressed because you've heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me as well, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. 
Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy. There's our word for the day. And honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give. So in this part of the letter, Paul shifts from teaching about humility to addressing some just practical issues of his communication with the Philippian church. Uh, He says that he would like to visit them soon, uh, but he doesn't quite know how things are going to go yet with his court case. And so because of that, he decides to send two other people in his place uh, to visit the church uh, in Philippians. Uh, We know that, that Paul had from Acts uh, chapter 28, that Paul was in prison in Rome for two years. So uh, we don't know exactly what point in that two-year frame this letter was written. His release could be something that's coming very soon, or it could still be months off. Uh, So because of that, he wants to communicate with the Philippian church, but he's not going to be able to come himself. So first, he's going to send a man named Epaphroditus, who will carry the letter that he's writing to the church there. And then later he's going to send Timothy once he knows how things are going with his court case. Uh, Both of these men are wonderful examples of Christian character. Uh, They're the kind of people that are just enjoyable to be around and increase our joy in our lives. So let me look at what it is about these two guys, uh, and then we'll make some observations about how that can help us both appreciate people like them and emulate them in our own lives. So we'll start with Timothy, because that's where Paul starts. Uh, he mentioned him first in uh, verse 19, and he says that part of his hope in sending Timothy is that he'll also be able to receive good news back from him once he returns to Rome about how things are going uh, in Philippi. Now, Philippi was about 800 miles away from Rome. It's about a one-month journey in those days, and so uh, this is going to take a while. But because of Paul's relationship with the Philippian church, uh, he has every reason to expect good news from them. If you look at the tone of this letter compared to a lot of the other letters that Paul wrote, it's one of the warmest uh, in tone that we have. And so he's very confident that what he'll hear back from uh, Timothy when he returns is that it'll be good news about what's going on with them. I also think um, in the next verse that Paul, he, so he starts listing all these character qualities of Timothy. And normally that sounds like a very... I guess, reasonable thing to do. But the, the odd part here is that the Philippians already know who Timothy is. They've met him before uh, when he and Paul first visited Philippi to start the church there. And so it raises this question, why is Paul all of a sudden, all of a sudden talking up Timothy like they don't know who he is? And I think it has probably a lot to do with the fact that he doesn't want the Philippians to be disappointed that he himself, the great apostle, is not coming. And so uh, his talking up Timothy is to ensure them that the person he's sending to them is not second-rate. He's worth their time and energy, uh, and they know who he is. So he's not sending second-best. He begins by saying, I have no one like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Of all the people that Paul could have sent to them, Timothy is the one that he believes will, will show the most concern for them. And this could have to do with the fact that he actually has met and known them before. The reason he gives for that, though, on the surface, actually sounds kind of harsh. Uh, He says that everyone else looks out for their own interests, not the interest of Jesus Christ, which, if you're in ministry, that's kind of an ouch sort of statement. Um, But I think what's probably going on here is that a number of Paul's other associates 
who are coming to visit him while he's in Rome. Remember, he's in Rome, he's sort of under house arrest. He's living in a home under guard, uh, and people can come and go uh, and visit him, and he can send messages out to people. Uh, a lot of the folks that were with him, it's my guess, and I think there's some evidence of this, they had other uh, matters they needed to attend to on a personal level, and they just didn't have a month to travel to Philippi, a couple weeks to spend there, and then another month to travel back before they could get to the things that they were dealing with. So, so I think that's one of the, the issues here. I also think that these other people that he didn't send, uh, as we see later in chapter 4, he still has good relationship with these people. So they're not folks that don't care about the work of the gospel or aren't concerned about what's going on in Philippi. Uh, they just might not be available at the time. And in, the, in chapter 4, we see Paul includes a lot of these people in his final greetings to the Philippian church. So he knows that he's on, we know that he's on good terms with them. Timothy, on the other hand, either didn't have any personal matters that he needed to attend to, or, I think this is the more likely one, he was willing to put his aside in order to make the trip to Philippi. And I think it's his willingness to uh, give up his own desires or his own needs to go minister to the Philippians that gives Paul this confidence that he alone is the one who will have genuine concern for them. So to reinforce this point, uh, Paul reminds the Philippians of their own experience of him when they met him when they first came to plant the church. And it's also likely that they've heard of his ministry with Paul over the intervening 10-year period uh, through word of mouth and maybe other communications. And so, so they know that he's, he's a quality person. And he wraps up his uh, description of Timothy by saying that Timothy has served with Paul like a son working with a father. And I think this last phrase is probably really meaningful to the Apostle Paul. Um, I don't have time to sort of unpack all of this, but there's, there's a number of uh, pieces of evidence in the New Testament that Paul was probably a widower, that his wife had passed away years ago. Uh, and it doesn't say anything about his adult children, <clears throat> uh, whether he has any or not. So we don't know what the relationship with them might have been like. But for him uh, to experience loss and then now have somebody who travels with him that is like a son to him has to mean a great deal to him personally and relationally. And so, so this guy he's sending is not just anybody. He's one that's like a son to him. Uh, and I think that communicates a lot about uh, his relationship with Timothy and what the Philippians can expect when they receive him. So you put this all together, and there's this picture of Timothy as sort of the cream of the crop of all the guys that Paul is working with. Uh, He genuinely cares about the welfare of the Philippians. He's proved his commitment to both Paul and the work of the gospel over the last 10 years. Uh, And he's he's served like a son to to Paul in in all that time. And so when Paul thought about who he was going to send to Philippi, I don't think that Timothy was his only choice or his last choice. I think Timothy was his first choice. This is the guy that first came to mind when he thought about, who am I going to send to communicate to these people about what's going on with me and what's happened with Epaphroditus? So to maybe give us a more uh, modern picture of this, when I think of uh, Timothy, and I think you guys know this by now, I'm sort of a sci-fi nerd, uh, I think of the character Samwise in the Lord of the Rings uh, stories. So uh, Sam or Samwise, as you know, if you haven't read the books or seen the movies, although I recommend that, uh, he was the traveling companion and best friend of Frodo, who's the main character in the story. And uh, as Frodo's traveling all around the world of Middle-earth on this quest to save the world by destroying this magical ring, 
Sam is with him every step of the way. I mean, it doesn't matter how uh, wonderful uh, or how harrowing their journey gets. Sam is always there to encourage and support Frodo in his mission. And at one point, he even offers to carry the ring for Frodo when it becomes a task that's too difficult for him. This is what Timothy was like for Paul. He was with him. He, he partnered with him for years. Uh, he was a Sam to the Frodo for Paul. Um, so I, I know that as we think about this in our own lives, we could all use a Timothy or two in our own lives, right? Um, I'm very grateful that God has placed a number of Timothys in my life over the years. Uh, one of them is my friend Mark, who uh, was a... He worked with me when I was at Kansas State doing college student ministry. And we have a long history. Uh, we joined campus ministry together at the same time. We went through initial fundraising to report to campus at the same time. And we actually arrived at Kansas State within weeks of each other when we were roommates for five years. Uh, Mark is the kind of guy who he walked with me through the loss of my father. Uh, he helped me navigate one of the most emotionally difficult seasons of my life. And during those times, uh, Mark would pray for me. He would pray with me. Uh, there was one point where he prayed with me every night uh, before we would go to bed because he knew that things were challenging. Uh, he would spend time with me. He would care for me. And he did all of this while he himself was in the midst of trying to work through some pretty serious physical health issues of his own. Uh, so his, his sacrificial kind of love and his willingness to be with me, uh, be present in my life when things were challenging was incredibly inspiring to me. Uh, and if you can't tell, he, he was a source of great joy uh, for me. He's also a big Star Trek fan, so that's where another way that we, we connect. Um, so my hope is that you all have a mark in your life somewhere. <clears throat> now, before I jump into uh, the description of Epaphroditus, uh, I know that you all will be listening intently to the next part of the sermon here, but, uh, but as I'm speaking, I want you to take a moment and start to think about who are the Timothys that God has put in your life over the years? Who are the people that have come alongside you during challenging times or during the good times that have just been present with you, have been an encouragement uh, and a joy to you in your life? And as you think of those names, hold on to them because we're going to come back to them later. We're going to need those. All right, so the second person that Paul mentions is a man named Epaphroditus, which, by the way, uh, is not a name that Spellcheck recognizes. So I don't know how many times I had to retype that this week because it just... It always had the red line under it, and I had to check, is it right, is it not? Um, So, anyway, uh, Epaphroditus uh, is only mentioned in the Bible here in the book of Philippians. Uh, Thankfully, though, Paul gives us enough of a description of him that we kind of get a sense of what his character was like. Uh, In verse 25, Paul says that he thinks it's necessary to send him back to his readers. Uh, And that phrase, combined with the phrase uh, that we see later where he says, He's the one who they sent to him to take care of his needs. Makes it clear that Epaphroditus was from Philippi. He was part of the church there. Uh, and we know that his initial task uh, from chapter 4 was that he was to carry a financial gift that the church had collected and they wanted to give to Paul. Uh, and he was to minister to Paul in any way that he could when he came to visit. In verses 26, 27, and 30, uh, we learn that at some point while visiting Paul, Epaphroditus became ill. Uh, almost to the point of, of dying. And evidently, uh, word of his illness had gotten back to the Philippian church. Uh, and then their sense of concern over him and his illness had made its way back to Rome. So 
I don't think that Epaphroditus was probably sick for two months, uh, but for sure there was this period of the folks in Philippi uh, knowing that Epaphroditus was sick and yet having no idea how things had turned out for him. Did he die? Did he not die? How did it go? Um, So on hearing that his friends back home are concerned about his illness, uh, Epaphroditus becomes distressed. And uh, the word that's used here for distressed uh, in the original language is only used in one other place in uh, the New Testament stories. Uh, It's used to describe Jesus' emotions in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before he was to be executed. Okay, Uh, when you think of that image, uh, you know Jesus was praying. uh, He prayed three times, asked his uh, God to take the cup from him, and yet he wouldn't do that. And so he submitted to God's will. Uh, It says at one point he was sweating drops of blood. His concern was so intense. Uh, I doubt it was quite that serious for Epaphroditus, but it's the same word that's used uh, to describe his concern over his friends back home being worried about him. <clears throat> so obviously he's, he's concerned and he wants uh, his friends to know that he's okay. And this idea uh, that he wants to be right relationally with the, the folks back home uh, is just a, a wonderful quality uh, and I think something to be appreciated. So uh, Paul goes on to say that... Uh, Epaphroditus is a brother, which in those days uh, meant, and in this context, meant a fellow follower of Jesus, that he was a co-worker, someone who had helped with spreading the good news of Jesus, uh, probably during his time in Rome there, and he was a fellow soldier. And this last term could just be a synonym for co-worker, uh, or it's also possible that it implies that at some point in his work of spreading the good news about Jesus to others, He's experienced some kind of opposition or challenge, which would have been true of a soldier in their work. And so I think that's where the, the description comes from there. Uh, we know, <clears throat> because of his concern for what was going on uh, with his health and his, his friends back home, that he wanted, to be, he wanted them to know that he was okay. Uh, there's some hints from the text here that there might have been some misunderstanding uh, about Epaphroditus' illness. Uh, it's possible that... The folks in Philippi were upset that the person who they sent to minister to Paul ended up getting sick and having to be ministered to by Paul, uh, which was exactly the opposite of what they were hoping for. And so it could be that they were disappointed in the outcome of things. Uh, But Paul wants to make sure that this isn't an issue uh, at all. He says that Epaphroditus almost died for the work of Christ and that he risked his life coming to visit him when others in the church could not. And that last piece Uh, hints at the possibility that Epaphroditus got sick on his way to Rome and almost died carrying this financial gift to Paul. And so uh, just his his fortitude, his willingness to carry through even when he's sick is a really commendable thing. So Paul says it's only by the mercy of God that Epaphroditus was made well. And so he now that he is well, wants to send him back to Philippi so that they'll know that he's okay, that they'll be able to rejoice in his healing, and they'll be able to have whatever misunderstanding there might have been about his illness cleared up and relationship can be restored. Paul says people like Epaphroditus should be honored and welcomed with great joy. There's our word for the day. Uh, His energy for God and the work of the gospel, his willingness to endure sickness and trials to complete his mission, And his genuine desire to keep his relationships healthy make Epaphroditus someone that I think would bring great joy to those around them. Uh, Now, so to give you another example from literature, uh, when I think of Epaphroditus, I think of 
a guy named Neville Longbottom from the Harry Potter stories. We have some chuckling over here. Okay, good. So some people know who Neville is. For those of you who don't know, uh, Neville's kind of a second-tier character in the Harry Potter series. Uh, there's this kind of core group of three main characters, and he's sort of the next level of uh, characters around them. He's a friend of them and supports them. Uh, Neville is presented as an unlikely hero, which I love. Uh, he's loyal and brave, and he often serves as a peacemaker among his friends. He wants to do what's right, and he cares deeply about the people around him, which sounds a lot like Epaphroditus to me. Uh, when I think of people that have sort of this Epaphroditus-type uh, quality, uh, from my own life, my friend Josh comes to mind. Josh is another friend of mine from Kansas. He's one of these people that when you spend time around him, you just come away feeling better about yourself. You come away feeling refreshed. Uh, spending time with him, you know you've been seen, you've been heard, you've been loved, and you know that he'll do anything for you. Uh, <clears throat> On top of all that, his enthusiasm for Jesus is contagious. Anytime I spend time with Josh, I come away feeling like I want to love God more and I want to follow Jesus more closely. Um, And as I think about those qualities in my description of my friend Josh, it reminds me a lot of our own Pastor Tim. I think many of you have experienced those things with him if you spent time with him. So again, I want to pause here for a second and just ask you to think about who are the people in your lives that have served kind of an Epaphroditus role for you, who've uh, been encouraging, have come alongside you, maybe have inspired you to want to grow in your walk with God. And, and write that down and, and hang on to that for a second because we're going to need that again in a few moments here. So uh, let me try and do some wrap-up and talk about how we can apply this to our lives. Um, I know that this part of the letter seems in a lot of ways just super practical. It's just Paul explaining why he's sending these two people back to Philippi. But, but in doing so, I think he gives us pictures of these two people who have incredible character and the kind of people that we would want to spend time around uh, and emulate ourselves. They're they're people that would bring uh, great joy in our lives. Uh, They're godly, they're faithful, they're kind, they're compassionate, they're brave, they're other-centered, and they're self-sacrificing in their love for people. Who wouldn't want to spend time around people like that, right? So what do we do with these two examples? Well, I think there's a few ways that we can... Uh, consider their example and, and make some application in our own, our own life. Uh, the first takeaway, I think, is that uh, we should consider who are the people that we're allowing to influence us in our day-to-day lives. Uh, it's been said that we become like the people we spend the most time around. Uh, and if that's the case, when we consider the kind of people that we want to be, it's helpful to ask ourselves, are the people in our lives helping us move in that direction? Uh, are they helping us become the kind of people that we think God wants us to, to be? Or are they maybe preventing us from becoming like the person we want to be? Uh, and I think when we think about these people who can encourage us to, to move in a good direction, those are the people we want to spend time with. But I'm not just talking about people who make us feel good, although I think that's an important part of it. I'm talking about people who make us better people for having been around them. Uh, sometimes that might mean that they are people who challenge us in our thinking and our behavior. But when we look back on it, we're always glad that they have because they have helped us become a better person. They've helped us move towards becoming the kind of people that God wants us to be. So if you have people like that in your life right now, I'm so glad. That is wonderful. And I want to encourage you to continue to spend time with them. In fact, be intentional about doing that this week. Uh, If you have people like that in your life, but you feel like, oh gosh, I just don't have space for them right now, 
I want to encourage you to think about what are some things in my life that I could cut out for a season so that I can spend time around these people who encourage me. And if that sounds kind of serious, I want to remind you guys uh, of C.S. Lewis's words that that Pastor Brett shared with us a couple weeks ago. That's Brett with two T's, uh, the bigger one. Uh, C.S. Lewis said that joy is the serious business of heaven. And so when we think about our experience of joy, I don't think it's something that we should sort of leave to, to chance. I think we have a, a part to play in whether or not we experience joy. And the people that we spend time around is part of that. So we, I think, need to be intentional about who we spend time around. And making space for them, I think, is really important. It's worth it. Uh, if you don't have people like that in your life right now, which I know there are seasons when that happens, uh, let me suggest a couple things for you. First, I'd encourage you to pray that God would send people like that into your lives. And then the second thing that I would ask you to do, and this is a part that requires maybe a little more faith, is start keeping your eyes open for the people around you and see if there might not be someone like that who's already there. There's a chance that people like this are much closer to you than you think they are. So keep an eye out for them. Uh, Remember, the people we choose to spend time with can have a huge difference in our lives, and they can increase our experience of joy. So this week, I want to challenge you to find one person who's a huge encouragement to you, and I want you to make some time for them. Either invite them to coffee or lunch or on a bike ride or whatever it is that allows you to connect with people. And I think you're going to be glad that you did. All right, a second takeaway from us uh, comes from another observation I have about this passage. Uh, And it has to do with the idea that one of the reasons that Paul, I think, experienced joy in his life is because he had people like Timothy and Epaphroditus around him that he can lean on when things were challenging. Uh, He felt encouraged by them because they, they loved and supported him. And our own spiritual community here at New Cove is supposed to play that same role in our lives. We're supposed to be an encouragement and a support for one another. Uh, I know personally, just in this season of leadership transition, uh, our staff team has experienced that from our governing board and from many of you. And we're so grateful. Thank you so much for encouraging and supporting us. Uh, but we, I, I think that encouragement and support should be available to all of us. And so... I want to encourage you guys to lean into the spiritual community here at New Cove, whether that means joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just finding a way to spend time, more time, around some New Coveys. I think you'll be really encouraged and glad that you did. All right, last takeaway, I think, for us here is I think it's really helpful for us to remember and appreciate those in our lives who've had a positive influence on us in the past. And this is where all that thinking that I asked you to do earlier about who these people might be will come into play. Um, I'm sure that God has put Timothys and Epaphroditus's in your lives over the years, people who've influenced you uh, in a positive way, especially in your relationship with Jesus. And so <clears throat> that could be a family member. It could be a teacher or a coach or a coworker or a friend. There's all sorts of options. But what I want you to do is choose one of those people that you thought of earlier, and I want you to write them a note this week, letting them know how much you appreciate the impact that they have had on your lives in the past. And we're actually going to give you some time to start doing this here. Uh, Our worship team in a minute is going to lead us in a song that we'll talk about uh, 
what it's like to have been influenced by people in a positive way in the past. And it's something I just want you to listen to. But while they're, while they're singing, I want you to pull out your phone and start a text message or an email to one of the people you thought earlier to let them know how much you've appreciated their input in your life. And if, if text or email is not your style, if you want to be more old school, uh, we've actually put some extra paper in the seat pockets in the chairs in front of you. I encourage you to grab a sheet of paper and a pen and just start a note to someone, letting them know how much you appreciate them. Uh, I've done this a number of times over the years, and it's always a wonderful experience, both for the person writing, for myself when I've done it, because I'm, I'm filled with joy when I think about these people that have influenced me in the past and how God has put them in my life to do wonderful things. But it's also a wonderful experience for the person who receives the notes later on. I think most of us uh, never hear in our lives how we've made a positive impact on other people. And so when you write a note like this and send it to somebody who's, who's ministered to you in this way, it's a real gift to them. It will increase their joy. And so this is an exercise I really want to encourage you to, to take to heart because I think it will increase both your joy and the joy of the person that you choose to write to and communicate. So let me pray, and then I'll give you a chance to start writing. Father, thank you for your scriptures. Uh, thank you this morning for the examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus as people who uh, obviously knew you and walked with you. They were like you uh, in so many ways, and they were a great source of encouragement to the Apostle Paul uh, in his imprisonment and in the work that he did. Father, uh, thank you that over the years you've put people like them in our lives as well. So, Father, I pray that this week uh, you would bring those people to mind and that as we think on their impact on us, one, that it would allow us to grow in our own sense of joy and appreciation for them. Uh, God, too, as we take a step to let them know how much we appreciate them, that it would increase their joy as well, uh, that they would be able to know that they have done a wonderful thing by loving and serving the people around them. So, God... Thank you for the people you put in our lives. If we're in a season where those people aren't there right now, God, would you bring those people into our lives? Would you put people around us who uh, encourage us, who support us, and who point us to you? Because we need that if we're going to grow in our walks with you. Thanks that you love us. You proved it by sending Jesus, and it's in his name, Son, we pray. Amen.